Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jan Vertonga with a thumping for it. Anyway, it's right at the last. Lamella! Steering by Alderweireld. And he saved it. Hugo Lloris. The Tottenham captain delivers when his team really needed it. Ericsson. Just a brilliant. That is absolutely stunning from Christian Ericsson. Demiano. Welcome to this week's edition of The Last Word on Spurs. Firstly, we just want to say a massive thank you to subscribing, downloading The Last Word on Spurs in what is proving to be a very difficult time for our great football club. Delighted to have back alongside me for this show, John Mannings. Joining myself and John, pleased to also welcome back to the show, Zoe Pearson, who is an occasional podcaster. So pleased to have her back alongside us. And we're also pleased to hand out a debut to Ryan Goldie. What a time to making your debut on the last word on Spurs under these such difficult circumstances. We'll firstly be starting by having a chat on Maurizio Pochettino's long-term future. If we do feel he can turn us around or if we simply feel that his time at the football club has now come to an end. And we'll also be dissecting the game against Sheffield United, which took place over the weekend. Once again, thank you ever so much for your continued support. And enjoy the show. John, I'm going to start with you. I mean, it's frightening to think the majority of this Tottenham Hotspur side, John, were in a Champions League final only five months ago. Yet at the moment, there is no sign of a leader 
both on and off the pitch, no playing style and a real lack of organisation. Where has this Spurs squad's identity gone, John? The worst thing that could have happened to this group of players is that Champions League final. I mean, obviously, if we'd have won, I would imagine this season would have started off very differently. But I just think it's one of them, you know, I don't know if anyone saw, but Dimitar Berbatov was talking on TV and saying about how difficult it is for Champions League runners-up to have a good season the following season. And unfortunately, it appears to, to, uh, to be happening again. I just I think that mentally, you, you're on the cusp of something amazing. Pinnacle of club football. It doesn't happen for you. And that, just, that must be as crushing for them as it was for us. Because I don't know about the rest of you, but I haven't got over it yet. I've not even begun to get over June the 1st. I don't even like saying the words. I refer to it by the date still, because it's still such a painful memory. And I think that a lot of the players probably feel that way as well. And all right, they should be professional enough to put it to one side. But, you know, like I say, it's affecting me still. So it's probably affecting them as well. And it's obviously showing in the performances. Yeah, it's very alarming at the moment. And Zoe, disorganised, a lack of fight, no resilience. And a team that at the moment can't even grasp an opportunity to get a few wins on the board. And also the fact that we can't hold on to a lead. It's a repeating fact of game after game. I mean... This is a really concerning period for the football club and the management of Maurizio Pochettino. Tell us what you're thinking at the moment. It's sort of breeding from Pochettino down. and I think a lot of his press conferences aren't filling a lot of the fans with the joys of spring. He's coming across distant. And, you know, we had all that trouble in the summer of him being linked to this job and that job. And, and you know, it's since that point, it's never really been settled down. Then, obviously, like John was saying, you add the Champions League final into that and the disappointment of, of that. And it's hard to 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 get excited about the, the football at the moment. And like you say, I think there is a massive sense of a, a loss of identity. I think a lot of our um, brilliance was was to do with our full-back play and, and Pochettino using that system. And, you know, at, at the time, it was sort of one of the the the, the best things about our play was, was the use of our full-backs. And I think, you know, losing Carl Walker a few years ago, I think that was the beginning of that, that system starting to wane. And obviously, the likes of Rose have sort of lost their way a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's trying to fill the void of, of, of losing certain players whilst bringing in, you know, a fresh... A fresh set of new of new ones and unfortunately we've been in a position whereby we've not had the luxury of being able to bed in a new, a new set of players because of the likes of having injuries or a, a self um detrimental two window you know ban really we've sort of banned ourselves from 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 buying anybody and, and i think that is now coming back to bite us really badly Mm. I mean, just to put some emphasis on where Tottenham are at the moment, we are closer to the relegation zone in the Premier League than the Champions League places. We are now 11 points off the current top four and just six points from the bottom three. We've only taken 25 points on the last 24 matches in the Premier League, along with only winning three of our last 12 domestic games under Spurs boss Maurizio Pochettino. And that, of course, is going to invite pressure. And Ryan, you know, Spurs have been ahead in 42% of their Premier League matches this season and failed to win. That's 12 points thrown away, the most of any Premier League team. How can you not question the manager in match tactics? We'd be second in the table. And if you look back at it, you think also to yourself, in 2016-17 season, we were the second best team in terms of covering ground and pressing. This season, we are 17th. There are those out there, Ryan, that are now suggesting, question the manager, 
not because he's not good enough, but because he can no longer implement the principles that made him such a great man. Can you understand supporters thinking that? We are just a completely different side to, you know, what we've kind of seen in the past two, three years. Uh, I mean, even at Wembley, we weren't too settled because how, how kind of settled can you be when you're not playing at your own stadium? But now um, we just seem like completely unsettled um, in kind of every way, um, which is kind of a bit of a shame when obviously like you said we used to be one of the most like together teams out there um even, even like talking to friends and stuff about how you know sometimes we'd lose like semi-finals and big games and stuff like that you could always say oh, okay well at least we've got like the most settled the most together team in the league so eventually something good will happen um and now with all this with the transfer bans um unfortunately it's kind of come to the point where um yeah, it's kind of hard to kind of be excited for the future um, when we are kind of just struggling so badly. We've got so many players who quite clearly just don't want to be there anymore. Um, and I think that there's kind of three levels to that, really. So um, obviously with the board, Poch and the players, it's all kind of come together to the point where we just kind of have to almost take the season off and then uh, look to see what we can do next year. Is that with or without this manager in place, Ryan, for you? Uh, for me... Um, as I said, because I think with, with the 500 days without the signings, um, there's just been no refreshment in the squad at all for such a long time until, obviously, we've got these new players. But again, they haven't had enough time to bed in. Um, I would really feel uncomfortable if we got rid of Poch um, anytime soon. For me, I know you've said it a lot before with others on the show, he's got so much credit in the bank. Um, and he just he's the blood of Tottenham. Um, I think if he goes, we completely lose um all sorts of identity that we've got i think first off it has to be the players i think it's one of those rare occasions where the players need to go before the manager which is very very rare nowadays but there are so many players there that the obvious ones i don't even need to list them um they need to go and then we need to kind of start again okay we've got a load of listener questions i'm going to read some of those out we've got shay at shay spurs says Pochettino played the right team against Sheffield united and the performances were the same from everybody we don't like we're playing for each other or the manager i absolutely love Pochettino for where he's brought us as a club but i'm generally worried where we'll end up if he stays ad says Sheffield united outplayed us and showed what a settled team can do people giving Pochettino credit in the bank for making less changes against Sheffield United, it's too late. We are not a unit because of his tinkering. We were lucky to draw, very, very lucky. The manager has to go. 75 Retro says, is Pochettino in danger of becoming our own version of Kevin Keegan? Loved by the press and the fans for all the style of football. Had a team who should have won silverware, but they bottled it when it really mattered. And then it all fell apart. Nobody will mention that Newcastle eventually were relegated. John, I want to ask you on the manager because, you know, for me, I've got a very heavy heart. I am very sentimental. He's an absolute top bloke. We all absolutely love Maurizio Pochettino. But many will now feel, John, it is time to make a change and it's impossible for him to turn this around. You know, last season, we're on that incredible Champions League journey that run to the final. But some will feel, John, that we do need a freshness and an energy that he doesn't seem to be able to give us at the moment. Can you understand that? Yeah, of course I can. I think that the, the main, well, I say that the main problem is that the, the problems are, are deep-rooted. You know, Ryan and Zoe have both touched on them, talking about players not wanting to be there. You know, the philosophy and all this painful rebuilding stuff, all the buzzwords that he comes out with. But what I try and do is, I, I was a bit, a, a bit outbursty yesterday and was like, right, this is, you know, it, this can't keep going. It can't keep happening. 
But when you, you strip it back and you think about it for a little while and you think since Sheffield United played their previous game, we've played twice and that included a round trip to Belgrade. And when you look at the way their equaliser came about, 23 passes by them from the back to the front, only one attempted tackle by a Tottenham player, which is by Lacelso. It just it smacks of tiredness, obviously, but it also smacks of a team that have got no confidence. You know, we were famous for that press, and it's just disappeared. And I don't, I don't think it's all down to physical fatigue. I, in fact, I think majority of it's down to mental fatigue. And I think that's going to be Pochettino's toughest assignment so far. We weeding out the players who 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 don't want to go, they have to go. Sorry, you don't want to stay, they have to go. But secondly, he's keeping the players that are still mentally able to do it. Because you used to hear all... I mean, I'm a cricket fan and you'd, you'd get... I remember during the 90s, you can't pick this player for the Ashes because of the mental scars of getting battered last time. And I just, I think that is what's happening with us a little bit, where there's so many players carrying so much baggage. The, the manager pretty much needs 20 new players to really, to actually start again. And I, I can't see anything other than a relegation battle if he stays. And it is with heavy heart. I, I, I think he's got to go now. He's got to go. You, for, for you, John, now, there's nothing he can do to change your opinion for you that that is the end for you now? He can't He can't turn it around, Rick, because if he had it done, he would have done it by now. We would have seen signs of it at least. The thing is, like you said, you know, tw- was it 24 points from the last 25 games? Yeah. AVB, in, in his last 24 games, got 20 more points than what Pochettino's got. So when you look at it like that, and this is a guy that, all right, AVB was, he was what he was. He was pragmatic. He was a bit boring. He always needed a lozenge. I didn't like him. But <laughs> when you talk, like I said, his last 24 games, he got 45 points. Potch's last 24 games, he's got 25 points. That's 20 points less than a manager that we all agreed at the time needed to go. No one wanted AVB to stay when he went. I love, I've loved Pochettino. He's been great for this football club. But I just think time's time now. I really do. I mean, the concerning thing, Zoe, is that even himself in his post-match interview seemed to indicate that he doesn't know how long the club are going to give him to continue this rebuild. And the words he said is that we are building a team during the season while competing in the Champions League and the Premier League. And that is dangerous. You expect better results than you get. We are in a process to build and we'll see if we have the time to build what we want. And it's almost again, indicating there that he's not too sure if he's going to be given the time by Chairman Daniel Levy. Do you think he will be given that time? The thing that's going against Pochettino at this stage, I think, is because football is is, is a results-based business. That's just how it is. You're judged on the results that, that you get. And, you know, you could be the best things at sliced bread, but if, if the results start to turn on you, you are, you know, you are going to be given that point of, of of no return and you're going to be pushed to that to the brink and unfortunately I think that's what we're seeing now with Pochettino the thing that really I think is damning of Poch is the fact that he hasn't got silverware to fall back on and I, and I know this debate keeps coming up again and again and again but you know through the time that we had this golden era of under his tenure you know we didn't win anything that you know, he, we can't look back and say we are the best um, we had the best run in the Champions League we've ever known. We, we we nearly we so came so close to, to to getting it, but you know that's the story of Pochettino's time with us. It's it's always so near and 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 yet so far. Does that mean I'm Pochettino? I, I don't feel as strongly as 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 John does in terms of he needs to go immediately because I feel that you know he bought players in this summer 
in order to start the process of the rebuild, he brought in the likes of Lacelso and Cessignon and you know Undombele with the with the pure you know idea that I assume that they were going to be replacing the players that were going to be shipped out. You know that didn't happen. So we've got players sitting in that dressing room on depleting contracts that are not wanting to be there, and Poch is under pressure for that. And you know I I feel. He has earned the right more than anybody who has ever managed this club in modern times to to at least try and turn things around. I I don't know how long you give him personally in terms of time. I think to, to second guess Daniel Levy is <laughs> is anybody's game really. I, I don't think anybody could do that. But you know, at this stage, I'd like to see what the new signings can can bring before Poch is you know laid out on the slab to be fed to the to the to the wolves but you know I, I don't know the results keep going the way they are Levy's hand may be forced who knows at this stage uh, you know I certainly wouldn't try and second guess it at this point the concerns I just sticking with you for a second is Mark at Batesy faces that was predominantly the starting 11 that most wanted to see against Sheffield United and they looked so average they couldn't pass a ball over five yards how much does that responsibility fall on the manager I mean, obviously, Poch has to take some responsibility. What we've seen over the last few games is unacceptable, you know, in terms of losing the leads. But, you know, ultimately, how how many times has this team played together? I think this is, what, the second or third time we've seen the Celso in the Spurs shirt. You know, uh, you know, certainly, certainly in terms of starting fixtures, you know, everyone wants Ericsson to be sort of sat on the bench and, and the Celso to be brought in. He hasn't had that opportunity to play Ryan Sessegnon. He he came to us with an injury. Sessegnon then had a period of injury and it looks like Undobelli's now picked up a knock, which is unfortunate. But, you know, at, at this stage, he's got, to, he's got to play around with his best 11 because nine times out of 10, you know, a lot of them don't want to be there anyway. So what can Pochettino do? He, he either fields a team of, of, of Alder Weirolds, of Ericsson's, who might not necessarily be here next year, or he can field the team of Lo Celso and give that a time to bed in. And, and he hasn't had the opportunity really to do that as of yet. Mm, I mean, Ryan, the last sentence of that interview where he does say, we'll see if we have the time to build what you want. You know, that does seem to suggest that his job is being scrutinised more than it has ever been previously, despite all the notion of the credit in the bank. You know, the Argentinian is not without blame, far from it. As we know, he stumbled and stuttered in terms of trying to change the formation and the personnel from the squad that he has within. He has been far too loyal to those who want to leave and other players, and maybe perhaps fearing that the final in Madrid was just his pinnacle, and he cannot see the direction in which we are going to be heading in do you think he actually, at the moment, does have a clear plan in sight for he wants to take the club? Because on the pitch, the style of football, the lack of pressing, it doesn't appear from what we're seeing that there is much of a plan from Maurizio. With like what he said, like how um, towards like the end of last season with the Champions League final, um, obviously he spoke a lot about how like we're coming into the end of a cycle. Um, obviously he also made like little comments which a lot of us didn't like about oh how if we do. If we were to win it, that could be like his last game in charge because he's completed the journey or whatever. Um, I think he does see this as like the next cycle, um, but I think it is really, really difficult for him to kind of look 
forward to it because it is just so tough at the moment. Has he got the strength, do you think, to oversee this rebuild? I mean, it's a massive task that he's got on his hands here. Do you think, personally, he's up to it? Has he got the energy to, to oversee this? Uh, I I would definitely say so. Um, I have nothing against anyone. I'd, I wouldn't like call anyone stupid for thinking not. Um, he does seem a little bit more, uh, like a little bit more down. He doesn't have as much enthusiasm as from what you can tell in like press conferences. Um, but like all the fans at the moment, it's it's really difficult. Like you look on Twitter, and after every game, it's um, quite depressing just to go on there. It's quite toxic. Um, the whole kind of mood around the club is so low at the moment. Um, but again, like, what can you expect when you've got so many players who don't want to be there? And then when he does change it around, um, obviously, it, it's kind of not working either um, because we have people like the Celso, who I was quite impressed with on um, Wednesday and yesterday. Um, he's not going to come straight into the Premier League and, you know, be like Ericsson in his prime, is he? So um, it's just going to be, as I said, a really tough season. We're, I've almost like written it off already. Um, and then I think it really does depend on what we do in January and the summer. I think these are two. These two, if we do still have Poch, um, will define the next three, four, five years. Okay. I mean, coming over to you, John. You know, Pochettino, as Ryan's alluded to it, has been left with five key players who either wanted or expected to leave the club last summer in the coming windows: Eriksson, Oria, Alderweireld, Danny Rose, Jan Vertonghen. Five first-choice players in their positions, and other than Oria the mainstays and major players of the Pochettino era. The spine, to be fair to him, John, it has been completely ripped out of his team, only rather than being completely removed and replaced. It's still hanging out there at the back of it. And Pochettino is really struggling to come up with solutions to fix it. Where is the way forward here, John? I understand, obviously, now for you, you would like a change. But where, where do we go forward from here? I think the thing is, I mean, as Zoe said earlier, the one thing he hasn't got behind him, Pochettino at Spurs, his trophies. And I think, nor, obviously, then, then nor of the players who have played under his stewardship. And I just think that there was a time where I was worried about Pochettino going somewhere, being headhunted, because I, I felt that some of our top players would, prob would probably follow him out of the door. But when the more you strip it back and the more I think about it, the more I think, well, they're also part of the problem. Because if they're settling for not winning anything, then what, what are they doing there? I think that we've seen it this season with Ericsson. We've been calling for genuine competition for Ericsson for so long. Finally, the Celso turns up and Ericsson seems not to be able to cope with that and therefore goes into his shell and stops performing. The manager's job to pull him back out of that and get him to get him to play the way he was before, I'd imagine. You know, it's not happening. I just think that Potter's lost as much as he has got credit in the bank. And I'm not saying, I, I, it's not like I'd be gutted if he's still there at the end of the season. But I just think that for the good of the football club and and just it just give just give us some fresh impetus moving forward. So far, he's in his sixth season, and it hasn't it's not worked out to the extent that some of us would like. I know that you can take comfort from the fact that you know we've had a couple of finals under him, and we've been second in the league and unbeaten the last season at the lane and stuff like that. And there'll always be good memories, but then you get good memories generally from from every manager, even you know sometimes they're brief, they're fleeting, but they're memorable and they're. I'm struggling to. I'm just struggling to 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 think about. I just don't care about this group of players anymore. I think I've lost. I, I, me personally, feel very detached from all of them at the minute, and I say all of them as well. There's no exception. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's because you can see that before it was like 
they were playing to the playing for the shirt to the extent that a fan would. And I know that that re- that doesn't mean anything because obviously you'd see a drop off in performance if I was playing for Spurs, <laughs> not, <laughs> not one of our actual players. Yeah. But what you don't see at the moment, like I said yesterday, with the equaliser, just a complete lack of effort, a lack of belief that we could even win the ball back off a Sheffield United team with ten minutes to go, whoever won the up. It would. I just, I mate, I just, I, I would. It's like, like I was saying about being worried about players following him out the door. I remember Hugo Lloris saying that his future is directly linked to Pochettino's and therefore I'm going, oh, well, we can't lose Lloris. I don't want to lose Poch now. I don't care. What is, the, the thing is, you take Hugo Lloris as an example, his, his performances have declined just as the manager's performances have declined and we will need another, we, 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 we will need a new number one before too long. And I think it goes for every player in that team, bar maybe two or three. And whereas before we were saying, oh, well, it's difficult to improve this squad and that's probably why we've not signed any players. You can't say that anymore. But they're the same group of players. Yep. It comes down to the manager, mate. I'm a manager team at work and if they're performing badly, I, I get, you know, shit don't always roll downhill. Sometimes it goes backwards as well and I'm in trouble then. And that's what, Potter's got to deal with that now. Mm. I just don't think he can. I just don't think, after doing the first, I think it took so much out of him, out of the whole, out of the whole club, I just don't think there's any coming back from it. I hope there is, but I just don't think there is. can't see it. I mean, it's interesting you say that. Again, I'll read some other questions out here. James at JamesDF5 says, Since the Burnley defeat last season, Pochettino has failed to realise that teams have learnt how to park the bus against us and he has failed to create a plan B in those circumstances. Stunning Spurs says, We are so bad, I really can't get over it. I'm at a point where I don't think it gets any better for us, losing interest in watching the team more and more as weeks go on, we've completely lost our identity. And John Wardell picks up on a very good question here, which I want to ask you, Zoe. Players don't lose their ability. They lose confidence, motivation, focus, direction and clarity in what is required of them. The, this is the job of the manager and his team. So who is really to blame for Spurs' serious drop-off in form in the year of 2019? It's a million dollar question, isn't it? I think I think there's blame at all levels. I think there's blame from the recruitment side of things. I think there's blame. I think Pochettino can't he can't be he can't be blameless in this. I think he, he's not absolved of, of any you know criticism because of of what he's done for us. And and obviously I, I believe the players are are are, are hugely cal- you know culpable of, of it. And and I think you know if if you're if your head is elsewhere, it's very difficult to motivate a player. Potter's position is becoming untenable at the moment. You know, he has to answer to Daniel Levy and he also has to motivate a group of players that are, quite frankly, a lot of them untrainable at this point. You know, he, he's been loyal and, and that's that's partly down to his credit, but also it's also now put him in a difficult position where he's probably been too loyal to certain players and, and that's not done him any favours in the long run you know um i remember reading somewhere somewhere today that someone put on um online that tottenham, tottenham at one point had built a fortress you know everything was so positive you know we had that season at the lane where we went unbeaten and tottenham are the only team that could build a fortress and then knock it down you know <laughs> i mean it's just you when you when you break it down like that it's it's true, really, and and that's sort of that's underlined our whole season since. You know, moving into Wembley, the whole upheaval that came with that. I think this is not just a twenty nineteen problem. This has been rumbling on and on and on, probably since probably since we 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 left the lane. I would say. 
I think that last season at the lane was probably even more so than the Champions League final was probably that was probably the the most exciting that it's been as as Spurs you know and and we think right we're about to kick on we're going to move into this new stadium and it's all just fallen a little bit flat and I wish I knew the, the answer to 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 say that this is what needs to change to to turn things around. Uh, I don't think anybody's privy to that. You know, no one's behind the scenes. No one sees what goes on in this dressing room. You know, you've got players that that feel a sense of sense of entitlement of of you know that they're doing Spurs a favour from being there a lot of the time. You know, all those quotes that come out from Lloris about you know. And he's supposed to be our club captain. It's it's a it's a problem I feel that goes from the top down. Interesting. No, I, I can understand where you're coming from there, Zoe. And Ryan, just to bring it back to your point, at the moment you still feel Pochettino's got enough credit in the bank. How much credit? Yeah. Because what I want to ask you is that his contract, as we understand it, is worth between twenty five to thirty million. The cost of getting into the Champions League is sixty million. So for you then, do you honestly feel that the club would be able to cope with not being in the Champions League next season, not having that revenue and keeping Pochettino and giving him the opportunity to rebuild. Do you think the club can afford to do that with the cost of the stadium? Um, I think it's something they definitely wouldn't have expected um, to even have to think about, really. Um, But you'd hope that, obviously, with Levy being such a good businessman and what else, um, you'd have expected that with all the plan of the stadium and the finances and the loans and so on, that he'd have he'd have planned it so that if we did have a really bad season where we finished, you know, outside of Europe altogether, um, that obviously it wouldn't come back to hit us like to a point where uh, you know we couldn't carry on or whatever. Um, I'd I'd expect him to have had a plan in place um, and. Yeah, I said a lot of people have said it before, but with it costing so much, or what it would cost, sorry, to get rid of Poch and bring on someone else, um, I just can't see that happening. Um, you know, he'll he'll squeeze every penny out of that contract, I think, unless we do obviously end up say getting relegated. But even even that, I just can't see happening. I mean, at the moment, the, the form is terrible. I think at the moment we're we're averaging yeah. uh, we're averaging yeah. around forty four points. I mean, clubs. <laughs> listen, for the squad we've got, we shouldn't yeah. even be thinking about relegation. But we're not really picking up a lot of points at the moment. And then for some out there, right? You know, the, the some that do say the question remains: if Potosino, then who? Any incoming manager will still have to deal with exactly the same problems that he's battling against, isn't he? You know, the players who have set their heart on leaving the club will still want to leave, and Levy will not you know, have the green light to untold millions being pumped into rebuilding an entire squad. You know, yeah. it's interesting because Spurs, we don't operate like other clubs and that way we're operating was always going to come to a head if replacements weren't found for the stars who ultimately wanted to leave or yeah. were going to allow their contracts to run down to find, a, you know, in their eyes, a better place to play. I mean, it's such a tricky one, this, isn't it? Where did Tottenham go? I think we just have to do the very best that we can this season obviously the way it's going we'll probably make it out of the group of the uh, Champions League um, we may make it through to like the quarters but even then literally what is the point even in the Champions League with us this season it's just never going to happen we're not going to have the same journey that we did last year it's just not happening whatever anyone says uh, FA Cup as well 
you know, we got you knocked out by Colchester. You mean, I mean, you feel like that competition is massive over the FA Cup for him now. I mean, it, it would be uh, typical Spurs yeah. to have a horrendous domestic season and somehow <laughs> end up winning a trophy. Even if that Amazon documentary, we need something, don't we, Ryan, at the end of it? Maybe, maybe it's deliberate. <laughs> maybe the plan is just to have the worst possible league <laughs> season, the worst possible Champions League season. Maybe we'll go out like, I don't know, we'll go out like 12 nil on aggregate oh to someone my God. in the quarters and then... It's all going to build up, and then next thing you know, the documentary ends with uh, Harry Kane lifting the FA Cup. Maybe it's all deliberate. I, I as long as we're know. not in the championship, that's the, <laughs> that's the only yeah. thing. My God. I hopefully mean, not. Oh, we're hopefully not. not. For a relegation scrap. I don't think we've got the mentality for it. No. But then again, the, I've, I've oh, not dear. seen one before. So Good. Yeah. I don't want to see one anytime yeah, soon. I don't want to see this anytime soon. I've got to be honest <laughs> with you, Ryan. But you're, you're right yeah. there. You know, from a mentality perspective, we aren't really scrapping at the moment. And, John, what I will say. Pochettino in the summer highlighted that there was going to be a painful rebuild and almost seemed to indicate that this wasn't going to be, you know, a straightforward season. What, what do you think he is thinking, John? If I ask you now, Maurizio Pochettino sitting there, he maybe is or isn't on social media when he sees the responses. Does he, in his heart of hearts, have the desire, the courage to, to turn this around, do you think? I don't think he does. I think, like I said, I think it's that that monumental kick in the gut which happened on June the 1st. I keep coming back to it, mate. Then it's basically what you're going to have is a, is a, a squad full of scarred people. And he's obviously going to be the same. You know, he's not won anything as a manager. And he's thinking, geez, the first thing I could, I could win as a, as a manager is the Champions League. And obviously you, you build it up and you hope so much that that's what's going to happen. And then you can, you know, you'll never buy another beer in your entire life. But it's just one of them things. It didn't happen, and therefore, I think it's just the, the, probably the most difficult job for any manager is picking up the same group of players to go again the following season when you've had the, as I said, you know, the most devastating of disappointments. There's nothing that was that will ever hurt me more than June the first. Now I can't see it. Not in like in in terms of football, nothing. And it's got to be the same for them. I just I think maybe that the fact that he, he spoke of this painful rebuild and expected it to happen, but then it didn't happen to the extent we believed it, it did. Has anyone considered it might be because Daniel Levy doesn't trust him to do it or because he doesn't really want him to be the one who oversees it? I don't know. Mate, you don't, we, mate, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We don't know how tight them two really are. And I think that Pochettino must be thinking now, he's, he's never going to walk, but he, he's just thinking, I'm going to struggle on until they get rid of me. He's just, he feels, he looks like a dead man walking one minute. The next, he seems like more like his old self. And it's just in that, that kind of mental struggles just shows in our, in our performances, doesn't it? I mean, how do you go from winning 4-0 away in the Champions League to trying to hold on and you're struggling against Sheffield United at home in the Premier League, you know, a few days later? It's just, all right, you can say it's typical Tottenham. I remember winning in the San Siro and then losing to, to Blackpool <laughs> within <laughs> yeah. about 10 days. Of That's Tottenham. That is Tottenham. <laughs> it is, but there's got to come a point where we can't keep saying that. No, I agree. No, I agree. I mean, Zoe, the manager's mood on the pre-season tour of Asia betrayed a man who knew the mess that was coming and he's not really been able to navigate a way through it. And when he did speak about it in the summer... There was like a massive dose of realism that was met with some calls for back Pochettino. But that hashtag has subsequently since then turned out for some of, you know, Pochettino out. I mean, do you feel, Zoe, in a way that things could come to a head? November 23rd, we're playing West Ham United. For West Ham United, this game, as we know for them, is their cup final. 
Pellegrini, I think, has lost or not won his last six games in a row. This could potentially be a massive game for both football clubs in terms of their managers. Do you see that being a, a really defining game in Rizzo Pochettino's management at the football club? This whole thing is results-based and, you know, when you go to a rival, be it Arsenal, be it Chelsea, be it West Ham, you know, the impetus is always on you to get a result by hook or by crook. And at this point, he needs a result for himself as much as anything else, but also for the team morale and also for the fans as well, because I think I think at the moment, a lot of us are, are struggling in, in what we're seeing. And I think top it all off, to, to go to West Ham and to lose that game, I think that would send a lot of people <laughs> over the edge at, at this point. I, I think that would be just the... You know, they're the one sort of team, aside from, say, Arsenal, that you really don't want to face in this sort of period because, you know, you don't want to end up with egg on your face ever against this lot, but particularly when you're struggling like we have been at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard not to see this game being defined, but then I think every result till the end of the season is is, is defining for him at, at this point. It's gotten, to, it's gotten to that stage where every game is being scrutinised and if we aren't picking up wins, then the fans want to know why. I think you hit the nail on the head earlier, Ricky. You know, you say that he did see this coming because, you know, you go back a few, you go back a few years and, and bringing in da- Davidson Sanchez. You know, at, at the time we broke our transfer record, and you sort of thought, well, we don't, we're not in desperate need of a centre half at the moment. We, we had Jan and we had Toby playing quite well, but I think this has been bubbling under the surface for longer than we probably realise. You know, it's not going to come out in the press, and it's not going to, it's not going to you know, be pretty to everyone's knowledge because like John said, we're not we're not there. We don't see what goes on behind closed doors. But I think, you know, for Potch bringing in someone like Sanchez while Toby and Jan were still very much at the club and and learning off them, he I think he's re- I think he's realised for some time that this is this is a, a process that's gonna have to happen sooner rather than later. I agree. And we're going to see if this man is still in charge to oversee it. Well, we're going to go for a very quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be sitting here trying to reflect and review that game against Sheffield United. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be back after this very short break. Ryan, let's reflect on the news an hour before kickoff against Sheffield United because Pochettino did change it up. We called for bravery in that starting selection and we did see Lachelso keep his place as Ericsson remained on the Spurs bench. Davis replaced Danny Rose and Aurea returned in the place of Juan Foyth. Now, the irony is, Ryan, that Pochettino left the bulk of that team that performed so well against Red Star Belgrade intact other than putting in fresh fullbacks. He made fan-friendly decisions such as starting Lachelso and Ndombele once again and did continue to leave out Christian Ericsson. When you saw that team, was there a confidence within you that we would get the result against Sheffield United? I actually put out a tweet saying um, like he's undoubtedly going to start Ericsson today. And everyone was saying like there's no way he's going to leave him out. And then, obviously, when it, when it comes out, um, you see the team and you're like, OK, he's finally kind of stuck with the winning formula or what it seems. Um, obviously, on, on um, that Red Star game, I thought we were so good. I know they're not the best, they're not the best team around. Obviously, we... Um, Absolutely destroyed them at uh, the lane as well. Um, so yeah, I was really happy when when I saw the team. Um, and then yeah, ten minutes in, you could just kind of tell that it wasn't going to be our day. Um, I think it took us um, ten minutes to complete a pass in their half. So it was such a slow start, and it's almost like they were still on the plane home. Zoe, coming round to you, 
just in terms of the game itself, we saw in that very early first half, Lundstrom hit the post with a fierce shot before Davies made a great defensive block with a header from the follow-up shot. Now, we've got a load of questions, and again, that we're going to try and cover some off here. This is from Michael Bennett at Benno the Yid, who says, Why do we continue to move the ball so slowly in attack? It allows the defence to get back in position and makes it harder for us to find a gap. Our goal came from their mistake, just like Watford and Everton. But what he mentions there, Zoe, in terms of the style of play, you know, that first half, we were actually the team being pressed, and we were the home side. You know, can you, at the moment, you know, as the, as the home side, you want to have the ascendancy, you want to be taking the game to the opposition. How concerning is that, that a team I promoted too much Sheffield United, who, don't get me wrong, played ever so well on the day, unlucky not to win it, they're pressing Tottenham Hotspur. They're pressing the Champions League finalists. You know, I think fatigue does, does have a part to play in it, but it's not an excuse for it. You know, the, the actual... Um, impetus should be always should or you would think would always be with the home team um and i think the slow start the slow i think the the the, the main issue we had was our was our actual passing out from the back you know we, we could barely string two together before it was cut out by uh, a sheffield united player and and i think like you say credit has to go to them for for their for their willingness to press and to to not give us the chance on the ball to to make pretty patterns and and to dance through their through their team but i think what what we're missing at the moment is that is that midfield driver. You know, we've got Undombele who is he has talent in spades and I think he's such an exciting player to watch. But where I think we're um, and this has been the case for a number of seasons, I think, is that the transition between defence and attack, there's there's a, there's something missing there. And to me, we haven't had anybody since Musa Dembele to to really string the ball in that midfield area. And, and I also believe that we're missing almost like a, a Wanyama style, style of player, you know, and Sissoko has been trying to do that job in terms of the physical presence. But, you know, there was one, there was one passage of play that I saw that Lacelsa put a tackle in. I think that's like you were saying earlier, Ricky, and, 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 and nobody else, everyone else was sort of standing off him. And that again, comes back to the confidence issue, but also, you know, if you haven't got a player in there that's really going to get stuck in, then you're always going to be, you know, come a cropper to the counter attack at the very least because you you need somebody to get their body in that midfield in order to try and dominate it. And and you know, Winks is talented and Don Belly is talented. Sissoko, you know, he has he has the ability in there, but in terms of actually an enforcer, I, I don't think any of them really tick every single box of what we need in there. A lot of people at the moment are noticing that, listen, whilst Undenbele, I think, no doubt, is going to be absolutely phenomenal for this football club, we do seem to be lacking a player maybe next to him doing that defensive work. I mean, to Soko, bless him, he's done his best. I think you've got to say he's tried hard. But, I mean, John, we did go ahead. It was a mistake from the Sheffield United defence and the ball dropped to Sonny, who poked the shot, which was deflected through the legs of Henderson. 1-0 to Spurs. Two bits of luck in there for us. But at the time, John, you know, we've got to get, we've got to be lucky. We, we, I think you would definitely say we went ahead against the run of play. Am I being fair in saying that? Oh yeah, no, we did. Absolutely, we did. I just think that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, it's it's kind of the same last two games um, in the league with the goal at Everton and before that against Watford, where it's been a bit just just luck really. And I think once you go, once you they got to realise that if they get if they get a bit of luck to go one nil up, you really got to capitalise on that because as well as they played up to then, I think if we go two nil up, the game's done. 
especially the fact that it would have been halfway through the second half by then had we got another one soon after. So he just want that to spark some sort of confidence in, in, the, in the, the team, but it just didn't at all. It just didn't. You just think, you know, Sheffield United came straight back out, obviously scored a goal which was eventually ruled out a couple of minutes after we went 1-0 up. And uh, it was just like normal reserve, normal service resumed just literally as soon as their keeper pulled the ball out the back of the net. And it's worrying times, mate. It was against a run of play, you're right. And to be fair to them, they did play really well. Well, like I say, one caveat I would add to that is the fact that they played last Saturday. We played Sunday and then we played in the Champions League midweek. You'd expect them to be fresher. You'd expect them to be more energetic, perhaps. But it also, I'm also not going to sit here and say, well, Pochettino shouldn't have kept the same eleven because we've been wanting him to do to do that for so long, or to, yep. to give some kind of, um, you know, confidence and continuity to the players who are picking up results. I, I must admit, I was surprised to see Eric Dyer start again at centre half. I was surprised to see certain other players starting again, Lacelso as well. Basically only due to the fact that he's not really played that much. You know, he's first starting this week and then he starts again. But, yeah, it's, it's funny because he's, he's just you think about it and you think, well, the one thing that we've been asking or begging Potts to do all season pretty much, he did it, but it still didn't work. So what do we know? <laughs> <laughs> like Ryan said, we was all expecting Ericsson to be in the team. Mm. We, was, we was. Every one of us was. And when it didn't happen, you think, well, Jesus, here we go. We've, he's finally He's finally done it. And hopefully we'll follow up one positive performance with another. But, you know, as it turned out, obviously that didn't happen. Mm, I mean, another question here for you, Ryan. In Kesmi Okrachinik, I hope I pronounced that right, says, when will Pochettino realise that our defending style is not good enough to try and see out a 1-0 lead? Foy for Ali was a ridiculous change. The same with Wanyama in the game against Leicester. You can understand that, can't you? I mean, Ali looked absolutely perplexed yeah. when he was coming off. Yeah, I, I was surprised. Um, but again, that's what Poch does. That's that's the thing that really isn't helping him at the moment is his in-game management. Um, the subs he makes are bizarre and he leaves players out and um, he brings them on too late. Like with Lucas, he's, he's kind of the main one for that where he'll bring them on for like the last five minutes. Is he more reactive rather than proactive, do you think? Is it, is it, is it a problem where mm. he doesn't see it quick enough to make the change? I, I think he has always had a problem where he, because he has so much belief in like the collective. So every player has like their own role. So every player he puts on that pitch, he expects to be good enough to go out there and do what he's asked. Um, I think when he sees that maybe we are having like a five, 10 minute, like little dip, he, I don't know, something inside him with this loyalty thing that he has, he finds it really difficult to just take someone off. He's not ruthless enough. Um, Whereas you'll see other managers, they will be like Guardiola. He he wouldn't like kind of stand for some of the stuff that um, we have to put up with with some of the performance that we see. Um, but with that sub that you're talking about, the fourth for Delhi one, I don't think it was the worst idea to change to that back five. Um, but it was it was Delhi coming off that was the problem, and obviously that's what's annoyed the fans. And then considering right after, um, obviously it's just kind of reinforced that as well. But I thought that that, that last uh, ten minutes with obviously going to the back five. We seem to like really kind of take control. I don't know if Sheffield um, were just absolutely knackered from pressing, or some people are saying they just felt sorry for us, so they were giving <laughs> us the ball. Um, but we yeah. had we had a bit of control in that period, and Foyth was kind of weirdly central to that. He he was quite good when he came on. I was watching him quite closely, um, and then on, obviously on another day when Lucas hits that shot that gets saved, that goes uh, in the top corner. But 
it was kind of just too little, too late. And again, it comes back to Poch. He just takes too long to make decisions because, um, yeah, I think he, he does, he, as you said, he sees things a little bit too late. Zoe, Shreyas Rayo says, how does Pochettino fail to realise his in-game management seems to be costing us week after week? He never tends to get his substitutions right. He's hardly ever telling his players what to do on the touchline. Can you understand that point of view, Zoe? Like you said, the Ali substitution yesterday is the one that really sort of springs to mind immediately. But again, it's that whole thing of, of holding on to a one-goal lead. It's always risky. You know, you, you can't score one and then sit back and not expect them to come at you. And, you know, there's always that chance that you're going to concede. You know, you score two, three, four goals and you can and you can rest easy. That Whatever Pochettino does on the sidelines, you know, you've got the result in the bag. And I think, yes, it, you know, bringing it back around to yesterday's game, I think in terms of um, being one up with a bit of luck, like you say, with, with, with Sonny's effort. But we didn't look like scoring yesterday. You know, Harry looked completely off the boil. I don't know if that's his illness that he's still not 100% right with. But he was, again, he's not exempt from criticism either. He's, you know, for me, he's the club captain and he loves this club and he's, you know, the talisman of this team. But yesterday, he looked completely off the ball too. And, and if you don't look like scoring, then you're always going to be susceptible to conceding whatever Pochettino does on the sidelines. Um, and I just think at this point, like you say, fatigue probably went against us, you know, with, with, with Sheffield's United, you know, United's press. It, it's, it's, it's a difficult one to, to really try and put your finger on. I think, like you say, I think Poch could do better in being proactive and anticipating that maybe we're going to have a period of, of the game that's going to be difficult and going to be tricky. Um, but, you know he can't. He can't. There's only so much he can foresee in a game. You know he he he's in a very difficult situation, and and I think everything he does at this point is going to be scrutinised. Mm. No, it's fair. I, I totally understand where you're coming from there. And John, you know, Sheffield United did have the ball in the net before they actually scored, but it was ruled out for a VAR, which, to be fair, it was the tightest of margins for an offside earlier in the move. The goal was ruled out, as we said. That required many lines and many minutes to check. God, this VAR, John, you know, if there's one thing we're all sure on, it is detestable, isn't it? I mean, how long is it taking for decisions now to be made, John? Yeah, mate, it was, well... So it, I mean, all right, you can say they reached the, the the right conclusion in the end, possibly. Did they? Because some are saying though, maybe you should favour the attacker. I mean, do we even know what the right and the wrong decision is there? <laughs> no, what the thing is there, right? That decision is wait, well, it's tighter than a lunge chuff. If that's given, but pre VAR, no one says anything. And I think that if it's it weren't clear and obvious, and I did feel for him a little bit because you see it go in, and I didn't think it was going to be, I didn't see a problem there. And then when they stop it and they get them silly bloody red and blue lines across the image and stuff and I don't know mate I, I I think that's part of the reason that's another part of the reason why I feel like I'm falling out of love with football a little bit at the minute and I know I'm not alone when I say that because VAR is just killing it Ryan what was your thoughts on that because you know there will be some that said Sheffield United were very unlucky there to not have had that equaliser granted yeah. earlier in, in, in that game how can you call that offside like it didn't, it didn't look offside initially so no one had any Problems like I certainly didn't stand up like oh he's definitely off ref or anything like that, um, and then obviously when they uh, did pull it back, you look at it initially like okay he's on, then they zoom in and you're like okay he is on, then they bring out the lines and it's like they try and make it look offside by placing 
the attacker's line, um, obviously in an offside position when it's not like that. I don't know if that's to make it a bit thicker, but it just it doesn't really work. And um, there was a picture on Twitter as well that came out just after with the uh, much thinner lines that really kind of get it right down to like the tiniest pixel. Um, and Dyer's like the um, half of his head and his shoulder are playing him well on. So. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand how you can get to that decision, but obviously I wasn't complaining. I knew it wouldn't last anyway. I knew we'd still obviously end up conceding, but I wasn't complaining. But if that goes the other way, um, yeah, there's a TV's been broken because this is completely wrong, isn't it? Oh, it is. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I just don't understand it at all. No, I don't think any of us do understand it. And subsequently after that, they did get their equaliser. They had the ball in the net again. This time it did count. Baldrax cross was miscued into the net. And I have to ask you, Ryan, that yeah. move, that goal itself, you know, the very nature of Tottenham as a side would always be they press for the ball. But even from the very top, Harry Kane downwards on that field, there was yeah. no pressure at all. I think 23 passes in that Sheffield United move for their goal. That was just an indictment of where Tottenham's pressing game. Where's it gone? Yeah, I I, I couldn't believe it. Like I didn't actually notice it at the time, uh, which is a bit odd because usually I pick up on stuff like that. Um, but it was uh, the Sheffield United tweet when they were like, "Oh, the Sheffield United way," and then you watch it back and you're like, "Why is no one uh, like even trying to get the ball?" I know that obviously there's a thing where you get back in your position, but there has to be a point where you put some sort of pressure on, otherwise what happened is just going to happen. Um, again, I think it's probably due to tiredness, obviously choosing more or less the same 11. They've obviously travelled all the way to Serbia, played a really difficult game there, come back. Um, last 10 minutes of a tough game where they've been um, kind of a bit all over the place. Again, I think that this comes down um, to like, the collective thing where we're just not right at the moment. Um, I don't think it's the, the mentality isn't right. And I also think in training, something's not right where you, when you've got all these players who aren't, kind of committed to the club like people call them the contract rebels um even though obviously a lot of them weren't actually on the pitch the effect that they must have in training it you, you can almost see it just in little moments like that where you know we're not at 100 percent. that little bit of hunger isn't there that maybe was there before um i mean i don't know if anyone's seen it a few weeks ago there was a little rondo that got put out um I don't know if anyone's seen it, um, where it was uh, Aurea and Tangi in the middle, and Tangi's like running around, like trying to get the ball off, and Aurea looks like he's in Tesco getting his lunch, <laughs> like walking around. <laughs> oh it's actually disgraceful. The yeah, lack of effort. Yeah. Um, he he generally just doesn't look like he could give less of a shit, to be honest. Um, mm. And obviously, even in like a little exercise like that, it's the simplest exercise in football. Like I manage a little football team, and we we like to do those as well. If someone's not trying, it kind of ruins the whole thing for everyone else. And the worrying thing is, though, Ryan, I bet, I bet your games are a higher intensity at the moment. It, they honestly are. Like, honestly, <laughs> I, I watch Spurs and I'm like, if I saw that, if I uh, saw that on a Monday night, I'd uh, be absolutely fuming. So You'd be picking uh, different kids. You'd be man. selling off the squad, right? <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Honestly, there'd, uh, there'd, there'd be some words said, honestly. Uh, I bet there it's would terrible. be. I mean... Zoe, the very nature of Pochettino's philosophy is the need for aggressive pressing and total commitment. And that does require fresh mind and youthful legs. And that goal itself, as I said, it's almost an indictment of where Spurs are at at the moment. We don't seem to be applying that pressing game, which Maurizio was renowned for when he first joined the club. Is that down to him? Is it down to the squad? Do, do the players know the style of play? Is there now a missing identity to what he put in place at the very beginning? At one stage, yes, you know, we were we were known for it. We were known for the, the high press. But I think 
it's been years since since we've properly had that you know that mindset of, of pressing oppositions you know maybe you know there was a game man city at home where we where a couple of seasons ago where we where we where we really pressed them and and, and ultimately got the result there but you know for, for me the the tottenham of, of of pochettino was the wing back play that was that was more of our identity than than even the press was i mean there's always got to be that that drive and that and that willingness to get the ball back as soon as possible and and I think that comes from the players as well as the manager. I think that you know, like Ryan's just said, you know, you have to have that mentality to really care what you're doing and give a hundred percent effort. And if and if, it, if the mentality isn't there in the player, then it's not going to showcase on the pitch, no matter what Pochettino tells them to do. Um, but I think where we're where we've really lost the identity is is in the fullback play. You can't. You can't have a, a prime Danny Rose and Walker, who we then sold for £15 million to Manchester City, and replace them with Trippier and Davies and expect them to do the same job. They're completely different players. Trippier's now gone, so we've now got Aurier, who... Oh, the less said about him, the better, because he's decision-making, <laughs> he's rash. You know, this, this is not... This is not the candidates that Pochettino needs for that system. He can try and put square pegs in round holes all he wants, but he's never going to replicate what we had with prime Danny Rose and prime Carl Walker buzzing up down those wings because he simply hasn't got the 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 players in the squad to, to do that. You know, we've got Carl Walker-Peters sitting now, now on the bench and to me it seems like his time unfortunately, it is coming to, to a close at Spurs because if Carl Walker-Peters can't break into a side where Aurier is doing what he does and, and not caring a jot for this football club and and Walker-Peters is you know supposed to be this uh, youth prospect, he loves the club, a bit like when Kane and, and Ryan Mason and those sort of players were breaking through, the, the ones that, uh, that really know what it means to play for this club, if, if he can't get into the side, then what does that say about Pochettino's faith in him? Again, I feel a lot of it is down to recruitment and, and not being able to replace the players that, that Poch needed in this system and we have no holding midfielder. We have no midfield driver, aside from obviously bringing in Don Belly now, who looks the bee's knees. We ha- and we've lost our fullbacks. Mm. You know, and we, you know, Loris being number one, he's had mistakes in him. And we're lucky that Gazaniga's come in and stepped in and done such a good job. But you know, there was calls for him for, for being only good for being the second string keeper. It's 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 a very a very difficult balance to strike and and it's and it's not an easy one and and i think this is this is where the the actual monumentalness of the task when you break it down like that in terms of how we play and how we identify ourselves it it is really a black and white that that's as as clear as you're going to get and it's and it's it's going to be hard to to try and rebuild that again. It's no coincidence that the three brightest players on the day against Sheffield United were Giovanni Chelsea, Tungin and Bele, and you would probably say Davinson Sanchez. Undebele's match was cut short by a groin injury, which has hampered his performance in that first half, and he didn't reappear for the second period. We know at the moment that the doctor advised that he didn't return for the second half. Give us something here, John. You know, the standout player of that game, you'd probably say, was the Chelsea. 
he was, as you said, he, he had to turn around quite quick because he had the, obviously had the game in Red Star Belgrade. He played again. I mean, is there anything for that game that fulfills you with hope going forward? I know it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, I know it's tough. What a question. Um, I really want to say, yeah, but I, I can't, mate. I can't. It's just, a, it's just a continuation of the problem that's manifested itself over the summer and has, has never shown any signs really of going away in the long term. If you think we've got three, is it three wins from 12 in the league? But the next game's West Ham away, as Zoe touched upon earlier, that's one game you really do not want to lose. We haven't won an away game since, what is it, 1958 or whatever it feels like at the minute. So you don't know, you'd like to, well, you'd like to think that would be the perfect opportunity for the players to arrest that statistic and get rid of that and get one over on them. But I'm just, the thing, the thing is, mate, I can't get away from the, the feeling that if everything stays the same, nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. I think what also is a massive concern of that game, John, I have to bring you up on this stat here, that Winks, Ahsoka and Dembele made one tackle interception between them. Dilly made six tackles by himself and was subbed off. Yeah, I think the, the thing is, like like Ryan said, it was probably the, the right thing to do to bring Foyf on, but it was the, he took the wrong player off. And I don't mm. know if you've seen the picture of Dilly. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolute evils as he comes off. Mm. I think that's, you know... I, I don't know, mate. I don't know. Maybe there's something underlying there where he did. He had a bit of a knock with that. I'm not too sure, but I think when he starts making questionable calls like that, where it then goes belly up, you have to you have to start thinking maybe the manager's he's he's done his time. I just can't get away from that. And I understand that a new manager would have the same squad of players and all all that, but every every time a new manager comes in pretty much is because the previous one has, un- has underperformed. That's just how it, that's how it works. It's, it's not to say that someone would come in and, and turn it around instantly. I'm not sure they would be able to, but I just I, I just get, get this horrible feeling now that Pochettino has run his course. I really do. I can't shake it off. So for Maybe you, John, the- even the point, yeah, you know, if you would want a new man now, would you even take a, a caretaker manager to the end of the season and then review it in the summer? I don't think we can afford to do that. I really don't because as until we're if we were mathematically unable to do anything in terms of European qualification through the league, then perhaps. But, you know, like Man United did where they got rid of um, David Moyes before the, as soon as they mathematically couldn't finish fourth. I think if we if we get to that point, as long as it's not too many games out from the end of the season, then perhaps. But, I don't know, I just think if there's... Because there's a couple of managers who uh, who were av- possibly available at, at the minute. Name them, John. We, name them. Who, who, would you, who would you say at the moment for you? Name them. Well, if, I'm, do you know what? I'm frightened of naming people because <laughs> I know there's going to be a, ma- a monumental backlash. It's only your opinion, though. It's only your opinion. Uh, all I'm saying is I think there, there, there will be managers available at the minute. We know there's a couple of obvious ones like Mourinho or Allegri and whether you like their style of play or whether you think they'd be good for the football club or not, the one thing that Daniel Levy must be thinking is they've got proven track records. And I reckon that's probably what we need at the minute. We do need someone who, like, we, because as we've grown as a football club in terms of training grounds, stadiums, you know, how much money we pay in wages, you don't hear that one anymore, do you? Old Spurs don't pay very good wages. That All that kind of thing's all changed now. So the perception from outside the club, for, you know, especially for people, prospective new players and managers, he's not one of a tight-fisted little club who play in a rush bucket. We're not that club anymore. So when you think that the, the perception from outside has, has changed to that point, we, we perhaps need to start thinking differently internally as well, where we can now 
because of the size of the club and everything is in place. It's a, it's a, you know, you look at it in terms of the, the what how the club has changed over the last five years or so. It's, it's amazing, really. But you, you've got to look at it now and start thinking, right, now is the time where we stop going after managers who could do well or players who could turn into top players. We need to start going for more towards finished articles, in my opinion, in terms of the quality of manager and player that we're going after. And I, I think that the fact that there are a couple of managers available who have been successful in the past may just sway the chairman and the owners of the club to do something drastic. OK, question here, guys, we look to finish up now. Danny Wall says, after the game against Sheffield United, do you think Spurs could still finish in the top four? Ryan, I'm going to ask you first. Uh, absolutely no chance, um, unfortunately. Um, not a chance? Yeah. Absolutely not a chance, Ryan, no? No, um, unless Dybala um, hasn't heard about <laughs> how badly we've been doing and we somehow managed to get him and then uh, he bangs us, you know, 20 goals between that and the end of the season. Uh, no, top four isn't happening. Two of those places are automatically gone with the uh, Man City, Liverpool and then Chelsea, you can't see them stopping um, and obviously Leicester absolutely flying and then obviously that's us competing below that against the likes of um, obviously uh, Arsenal, Man U, um, even like arguably like Sheffield United. I know that it's people saying they'll drop off, but again, we all said that with Leicester, so you never know. There, there's too many teams that are settled now um, with teams obviously full of players that actually want to be there um, compared to us where you can just see so much going wrong. Um, yeah, I think it's going to take an absolute miracle. Um, I see us finishing outside of Europe completely. I think we'll be maybe eighth, ninth. Uh, I think this could generally be one of those seasons, like what Chelsea had a few seasons back, where they finished tenth. Um, I think it's going to be a, a long, difficult season that we almost have to write off now, unfortunately. Okay. Which I don't like to leave it like that because I'm using no, a of course not. Perfect. Yeah, no, of course not. <laughs> but but um, yeah, being realistic, I don't see it. I mean, if you look at our next six games, um, it's Chelsea, Man U. Um, West Ham, Wolves, obviously. And West Ham, obviously. Um, and three of those are away from home. Um, and the ones we do have at home are Bournemouth and Burnley, who will come and sit back. And we're not very good against that. So even in the next like few games, you how many points I mean, do you see getting there? I don't see many at all, unfortunately. Mm. Um I hope I'm wrong. I do hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong. Because we're, we're known as meant to be a positive show. But my God, at the moment, trying yeah. to find positives is, is, is bloody tricky. There's been some out there that have listened to us for two or three years. And I'm sure even them, that they're feeling our pain right now. It is so tricky yeah. doing shows during this period. I mean, Zoe, I've got our same question to you. Can Tottenham still finish in that top four? You might think I'm crazy even you asking you that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... At the moment, uh, uh, you know, can we finish in the top 10? Is, is I think Ryan's closer to, to hitting the nail on the head there with that one. Um, I think it's, you know, as Ryan just said, two of those places are, are gone in the in the, in the the top four. So you're, you're competing for two places against, you know, three or four different sides who are, you know, at this point, m- miles ahead of where we are at the moment. Um, I think... I think no one's going to want to finish in the Europa League, uh, but I think realistically, Poch is going to need some sort of European football in order to get any sort of funds to to try and turn things around. I think we need European football. It would goes without saying. The players we have at the moment in in the squad, we need we need to be in Europe. 
whether that be the Champions League or, uh, you know, God forbid, the Europa League. But um, we're certainly capable of finishing at least sixth. But whether we will or not, who knows at this point? I, I'm 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 sick of predicting Tottenham because every time I, I think they're going to do something, they go and do the complete opposite. So um, <laughs> it's very it's very hard to, to throw any sort of long term predictions at the moment. I get us to January reassess and see where we are in the table then and then ask me that question again and I'll see if my answer is any different but at this point I can't see top four no nowhere near John I know what your answer is going to be so I'm going to ask you John but I've got a question for you and John we need to to make (laughs) us laugh here all right so please try and leave us with something John Pat at Spursy 1342 says why do we do this to ourselves that's the age-old question I'm afraid uh, no one has the answer to that we're Mate, do you know what it is? In all honesty, it's because we all love the club, don't we? Of course, we? It's, of course. It's a, big, it's a big. I know we all have our own personal relationship with the club, and it, it, it is you can't no one no two people are the same in that respect. But it's because we love the club, mate. You you, cut, you come in in my house, you walk through the front door, you know what team we all support in this house. If I if I had to, you know, I'd, I'd end up losing half my wardrobe if I had to buy everything <laughs> on it. We all know, we all know that the reason why we do this. Is because we love them as we do. Because if we didn't care, we wouldn't bother, would we? No, exactly. And uh, it, it, mate, it is what it is. You just have to you have to take the rough with the smooth. And the, the, the thing, I get a little bit annoyed with myself because, same as you, we've known it a lot rougher than this. We have, some, yeah. We're yeah. not coping with it very well this time around. Because you're talking earlier about relegation fights and stuff like that. One of the happiest memories from my childhood supporting Tottenham was beating Wimbledon 6-2 at Sellers Park just to stay up with two games to spare in 1998 and then I, I went to, I was going into the summer going England are going to win the World Cup in France obviously that didn't happen but it was some of their memories from them games where you I suppose you remember them because they were so few and far between back then and it's getting like it again unfortunately but I want to I want to answer the previous question by the way because I had something lined up. We're going to be in Europe, aren't we? Because we're winning the FA Cup, so it don't matter where we finish. Definitely, that's the way we're going to end this show. We're going to win something, John. There's going to be in at the that documentary. We've got something to lift, yeah. Well, it's either the FA Cup in wooden spoon. I don't know. If <laughs> more likely, it? but as you said, it's, it seems preordained in a way where it's going to be such a a roller coaster of a season. It'll, it'll end in a, a highlight in May at Wembley. I hope you are right, John. I hope you're right. Well, can I just say, Ryan, David, kind of make your debut. We'll have to do it sometime soon again, Ryan. Hopefully, we're Tottenham in a better yeah, place. You've yeah, been no, thank you very much. Yeah, no, cheers for having me on. Obviously, I've uh, just been kind of churning out tweets for a few years, and then uh, it's kind of ended up with me being invited on here, which was a. Uh, very big shock but yeah thank you very much I've enjoyed it good oh, therapy you're a star thank you well listen we hope the therapy's going to go a long way for you guys Zoe thank you for coming back on the show and we'll have to get you back on soon uh, and thanks so much for all of the uh, the advice really I feel it does feel like an advice at the moment Zoe to be honest with you <laughs> yeah cheers guys thanks for having me back on it's been it's been great to sort of talk that one out I think we all needed it <laughs> well, we did indeed and John thank you as always I said to you last week John keep the faith yeah, mate, always. I'm just, I'm so glad it's international break. I hate saying that, but I mean it this time. Hopefully we come back and then in a fortnight, we've won at the council tip and we're all happy again. Mm-hmm. Big couple of weeks, John, you feel ahead for the club, isn't it? Either way. Massively, yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we turn up at West Ham with the same manager. Part of me hopes we do, really, and he does turn this around. But like I said earlier, I'm, just, I'm not sure he will. If mm-hmm. we're going to make a change, we've got to do it soon. 
There you go. Well, guys, we are back on Love Sport this coming Thursday, talking more things Tottenham for another two hours. God, that's going to be fun. Thank you so much for all your support. As always, keep the faith. Come on, you Spurs. We will be back. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.